Thanks for listening to the PLR podcast, where we seek to build a network of leftists in the state of Rhode Island to someday win local power. Happy new Gregorian calendar year, everyone. Uh, Welcome to 2021. How are y'all doing in this new year? Same as I was a couple days ago. Pretty great. Yeah, utterly the same. Yep. You didn't think that uh, with the change of the year, everything would change? (laughs) Isn't it uh, like Neil deGrasse Tyson always posts every year how pointless New Year's is? Yeah. He always, Probably. I saw a meme on it like a couple nights ago, but it's true. It's just a formality, right? Yeah. I mean, that dude's not my favorite dude or anything, but yeah, he write about that. Yeah, it's pretty redundant. But, um, but that does mean that there is a new line of uh, legislative proposals and laws for the state of Rhode Island that I thought because this is the new year episode we could start with that um so the first thing I wanted to say and this was kind of this was messed up so this is an article from the Providence Journal that lays it all out but it starts with the point that the General Assembly the Rhode Island House and the Senate are not meeting in their regular uh Senate chamber or the, the House chamber they're meeting, uh, let's see, the the Senate is meeting in uh, a room on Providence College campus, and then the House is meeting... Um, at their house? At the Veterans Memorial Auditorium, oh. um, which is weird because this article even says that it, in a sign of times, Rhode Island's legislators will not start the new session in their ornate chambers which got new paint new rugs new leather upholstery only a year ago and one hundred and sixty six thousand dollars worth of plexiglass partitions in mid-pandemic so the state of Rhode Island invested all this money in beautifying the congressional chambers of the state only for them not to be used right now which big surprise wasting money I wonder if it's because the, uh, the dimensions of the place is a little bit too small. So maybe in the VFW Center, it's a larger, so it's less likely to uh, lead to con- contagions. But I don't know. Uh, it just seems like if it just seems like a misplaced spending priority to me, uh, especially in the past year, everything that was going on. I know I bring this up a lot, but what if there were a reality TV show where you make over the House and the Senate? <laughs> yeah, like M, like MTV Congressional Crib or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Damn. MTV right. Pimp My Crib. Put it in the idea notebook. Um, the 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 two chambers are also doing their formal uh, announcements of who is going to be the the president of the Senate, which is going to be Democrat Dominic Ruggiero, and the House Majority Leader. Uh, it's likely going to be Kay Joseph Shikarchi, who we went over in the the uh, the promo episode. Uh, and yeah, he we'll get into him for a second because one of these points he becomes a major player in. But basically, the Providence Journal did the work for me in providing some uh, a list of the things that are definitely to be addressed in the beginning of the year. The first one uh, worth stating which I don't really know much about, but you guys might know something about, is they're going to be voting on minimum ha- uh, nursing home staffing requirements with a big push from the service employees 
an international union which poured thousands into a campaign to oust unsympathetic legislators. Uh, so I don't know any details about minimum nursing staffing, but it seems like a good idea to me. I've heard arguments on both sides. I don't know about this specific instance, but I know that in the past when they start to do this kind of thing, it it's kind of like a it's a good intention thing, but it can have uh, like bad endings. Because if you tell them they have to have a certain amount of nursing staff at a given time and they're not able to hire that staff, it ends up causing problems for uh, for the business and it ends up harming the people that are there. Um, Does it affect wages, you think? If you have to have a minimum amount of nurses at a place, would that mean if you had to hire more people that um, wages would go down? I'm not or? sure. It depends on the pocket of the person that owns the place, really. Uh, but if you are allowing a nursing home to stay open if they are only able to have a certain amount of staff there and they can't meet that staff requirement and it has to shut down what does that do for the people that live in the nursing home yeah um, so point. it's something that's you know well intentioned but you know what's that phrase about the road to hell it's paved with good intentions there it is so you know yeah. Maybe something that isn't an either-or kind of scenario would work better. Maybe some kind of help from the government to meet those requirements instead of putting a gun to their head and saying, make a choice. Mm -hmm. But I am neither a nurse nor an elderly person yet, so... Yeah, I mean, if, if any listeners have any uh, insight into this law or opinion about it, you should message us on the Instagram page. We'd be happy to hear what you have to say. Another point... Uh, is the long-sought legislative sign-off on a proposed 20-year, no-bid, one-billion state lottery contract for the two big players in the state's gambling industry, Twin River and IGT, which doesn't seem all that pressing right now, but, I mean, is Twin River even operating right now fully? I think they are. Yeah, it's I think weird. the casinos have been open. Let them do it. It's like... I don't know. The majority of people that I know who go there don't share my political <laughs> opinions by any means necessary, but, but I don't know. So let them do it, I guess. Sure. Uh, and then this article says, then there's a big push from the left and the state's powerful public employee unions to raise income taxes on top earners in order to generate $100 million or more in revenue, which essentially this is saying... There are people in Rhode Island uh, Congress who want to raise the tax level for big earners, which I agree with. Yeah. Uh, but you, but our homeboy Joseph Chikarchi disagrees with it because he is worried that it could scare off high net worth people from the state. This is always <laughs> the fear with any kind of raising tax. It's just this scaremongering saying, oh, no, don't. The hand that feeds us will run away. And it's uh, it's not based on anything. It's just uh, fear-mongering. And it's just muddying the waters to, yeah. uh, to a, a clear issue. I mean, I'm curious to know what Joseph Shikarchi's alternative proposal is like Probably to do nothing yeah to do nothing or to increase taxes across the board so that you can milk working class people even more than they already are disproportionately to to uh, upper middle class or middle class or, or rich people um so i don't know what the other option is you know 
there's a lot of talk about like fairness and equality in America, and most of the time that's a complete joke. And when we talk about like taxation, we're not asking them to be taxed in a way that's unfair to them, um, equivocally to like how we get taxed. Mm-hmm. Um, all we're asking is equal taxation. Is that so much to ask? They're acting mm-hmm. like we're over here, um, you know, stealing the clothes off their backs. Yeah. We're only asking for fairness. In proportion to, to net worth or income, I guess. Um, that makes sense. The, the weird thing is, which I think is worth pointing out, especially considering the mission of this podcast, is that it's actually been Republican, Rhode Island Republican congressional members who have been on the side of uh, prioritizing things that work already rather than introducing all these new things. So... Um, which sounds like we don't want to be sympathetic to the GOP in Rhode Island, but in this case, uh, at least according to the the Providence Journal, uh, the Senate Republicans have asked the people who are proposing uh, to to raise the taxes where we can actually cut expenses without compromising services to our citizens, and so. I don't think that they're on board with increasing taxes for wealthy people as much as they're just saying, okay, yeah. the alternative then has to be finding other sources of, of raising revenue. Read, read that one more time. Does that insinuate that it's going to be uh, like some kind of budget where they're going to start trying to hold costs back and not spend as much in order to... It could. Because I mean, that just fucks everything up because where's that money going to come from or what are they going to cut it from? It's going to come from all these communities and all these programs that help people that aren't floating their pockets. Yeah, so the quote, the looming fight has prompted the leader of Rhode Island's outnumbered Senate Republican to ask anew, where can we actually cut expenses without compromising services to our citizens? Um, And programs that work, let's continue to fund them, especially programs that help the needy, help children, help the disabled, and help the mentally ill. And again, this is a a Republican member of the Senate saying this stuff that uh, rather than because Rhode Island has to meet its deficit or, or try to minimize its deficit for next year by raising revenue and the the leftist push is to, to tax the higher income people to get that revenue and this Republican is saying let's um, trim the fat and keep what works yeah trim the fat and keep what works so revolutionary <laughs> I think there's some kind of compromise with it but i mean rich people have to be taxed more basically but then why can't you do a mix of both you know know what's funny is that they say like let's let's see what works let's keep the things that help the citizens and yada yada what ends up happening is it puts all these like constraints because what are the terms there it's like let's keep what works Mm -hmm. when you start to define what works it's like it goes in like this uh, mathematical equation to see if it's profitable for whatever it's uh it's it's achieving yeah and nonprofits are so fragile in this kind of um, equation. There are such good things that are being done for people that are like disabled or who are poor or, or people who are just uh, in need of whatever thing. And um, they're under this pressure to make it look profitable when it shouldn't be a thing of profit. It should be a yeah. thing of taking care of the citizenry or the population in general. Mm-hmm. So I think any kind of um, language that's like keep what works, you know, even if it's well intentioned, 
I think that's also kind of scary because the decisions on what works and what doesn't isn't going to be in the people's hands. It's going to be in those Republican politicians. And I wonder what they're going to protect or what they're going to decide first. It's vague enough to be popular, populist, right? Uh, to, to, to say something like that and then in your quote mention the needy children, disabled, mentally ill, so that people read that and they're like, oh, this sounds great that that's what you want to do. But again, the statement, the original statement uh, is just really vague. So, yeah. I also want to add that, uh, so in relation to why the Rhode Island uh, houses of Congress are not meeting in their normal places. They, this article gives uh, a summary or a, a, a rounded up number of how much it costs them to rent the two places that they are, the Veterans Memorial Hall and then the, the place on, on um, I think it's Providence College campus. Um, let's see, so the the Senate has secured the use of uh, the hall on RIC campus, there you go, through June 30th, 30th, if necessary, at a cost of up to $523,828. Chump <laughs> uh, change. The, the tab covers RIC security officers, housekeeping, in quotation marks, installation of audiovisual equipment, an air filtration system, and six... 66,816 for snacks and meals <laughs> for the senators and their staff for 28 weeks. Again, it's just like ridiculous amounts of money spent on something that I don't really quite understand. Couldn't they Zoom? Why? I, I think they have. Like, that's what they did leading up to the end of the year. This is just like a New Year thing. Um, doesn't, doesn't fiscally make much sense to me. Um, Especially when the looming debate supposedly is over tax hikes or or uh, funding social services. The last point that they bring up that Rhode Island is to vote on this year is marijuana legalization. Um, <laughs> Perfectly timed. Yeah. That was a dog yawn. Dog yawn. Marijuana legalization, which I mean, I haven't been following the. The debate in Rhode Island much. I know that a lot of the politics of Massachusetts and Connecticut looms large over what Rhode Island does. Um, so, yeah, where are you guys with that? A 2017 poll revealed that 59% of Rhode Islanders supported legalizing adult-use cannabis. 36% said they were opposed. Damn, 36%. Shikarchi uh, <laughs> said he's not ready uh, to endorse a plan <clears throat> for 2021. So, doesn't, basically, doesn't seem like it's coming anytime soon. Yeah, Sakachi is the enemy of today's episode of PLR Podcast. Yeah, what was, how many people approved? 59%. All right, so the majority. For, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a big majority in US. But it's politics. not good enough for him, I guess. Yeah. Oh, great. No, even though it would bring like, Hundreds of no billions. I'm sure like billions of dollars in money, uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs. Yeah, we're talking about the like how do we increase revenue, right? Yeah, yeah. stimulate the shit out of the economy. Come on, how is this a bad idea? It's true. I mean, if you're looking for a lucrative industry to tax to raise revenue for the state, why is 
Why is there a debate about marijuana in Rhode Island? There's a pandemic. Everyone's having a terrible time. People's relatives are dying. Everyone's trying to just get through things. You would make things a lot better. Let's just legalize marijuana. We can chill out a little bit. We can increase the revenue for the state. Oh, it. I mean, even like, I mean, yes, all of that for sure is true. But then you start thinking about all of the medical studies about how it actually like improves your life. And it could improve the lives of people who have had COVID. Mm. Um, totally. Or other issues related, you know, similar. It would be, I mean, yeah, there, there is absolutely the mental health component. But then there's like, it's good for blood flow, which is good for people like me who have neurological issues or, you know, a number of other ailments, pain, chronic pain, anxiety, oh, yeah. etc., uh, and I mean it's it's cool that it's decriminalized um, like kind of but uh, if you look at the stats I mean there's it's it's not enough it's straight up just not enough after winning uh, this past election cycle uh, Shikarchi was asked about his opposition to legalizing marijuana and he has suggested creating a marijuana task force for the oh, state of Rhode Island. For God's sake. <laughs> to try to figure out. You know, we need more bureaucracy. I mean, it sounds badass, right? I want to be part of that marijuana task force. What does that entail? Like doing studies that have already been done on a national scale? Wasting more money on those studies? I think that's his way of saying we need to pay ourselves more to even think about this. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, well, and when you think about who's being targeted by these laws, it totally makes sense. In, in, in that it doesn't make sense and that it's horrible because it's highly like racially and socioeconomically motivated. But it's not, it's not at all surprising. What do you mean? Can you uh, explain a little bit by that? What do you mean racially motivated? Uh, well, like the laws and the arrests are racially targeted, mm -hmm. 100%. Um, the ACLU actually released, well, I guess everything now is last year at this point, but they released, um, you know, some report uh, talking about how, um, like, even though, I'm, I'm going to compare black folks and white folks for this, um, even though black folks and white folks consume and purchase marijuana at similar rates, black people are targeted um, and are arrested, you know, like three to four times more than white people. Um, and they get stuck in, in jail, you know, like something like 20% of people are stuck in jail before they even get a trial, right? So, and jails are, are designed uh, in such a way that uh, these people just like never essentially never have a chance to to redeem to actually redeem themselves yeah america is not the place for redemptive justice whatsoever i mean it's hard for for anyone to go to jail even if the law changes and like marijuana crimes become redundant you still have that on your record even though the law changes yeah we, we decriminalize the object but we don't decriminalize the charges against the people mm. like when this was Decriminalized. Was there any kind of um, investigation into the people who are in jail right now for these crimes? Like, are they? They should just be 
let go if they're guilty of committing crimes that aren't crimes anymore. Yeah, oh, for frickin' sure. I mean, if you look at states that have legalized recreational use, like obviously California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and now as of yesterday, I think Montana or something? Mm. Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Duh, Massachusetts, five seconds away from here. Um, Ooh, ironically, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Letting go of uh, uh, people that are in prison. Yeah, for... they, that's what everybody keeps asking. Like, when are you gonna when are you gonna release and expunge the the uh, charges for all of the nonviolent marijuana offenders? You have to create another task force, crack <laughs> task force first before you do that. That's what politicians love. Task forces makes them feel important. It's a way to just funnel money. It does into, sound cool. I mean. When you create a task force, you're paying the people extra that are on that task force to do the research and and whatnot. So it is just it becomes kind of a way to just funnel money into the task force who are already legislative members or or or, or city government members or whoever. Um, because when it comes to marijuana, especially like the research is already there. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult to to research um, scientific articles. Or, or do the, the legwork that other states have already done. Yes, it wouldn't take a lot of effort to look and mirror another program at a different state as it's already but done before many, many times. And also, I don't like the language of calling it a task force either. <laughs> that kind of sounds kind of hostile. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, uh-huh. If you're going to be looking towards something positively, I wouldn't think you'd give it such an aggressive name. Maybe a, uh, a council or something like that. Or maybe you would... Uh, bring in people from other states and take their um, their guidance into how to achieve it instead of mm-hmm. creating just the sound of just a, a task force. It doesn't sound very friendly or accepting or uh, beneficial, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... Yeah. <laughs> I think that's some of the, the, the purpose of uh, science departments and big universities or something like that kind of get lost out because the there are people professionally researching a lot of this stuff already that like all the state has to do is reach out to them for information you know and they're there um i don't know it just seems like he's dragging his foot yeah um no that's just for recreational use i mean there's there's medical use um that's research too though. which is it is research too but i just want to bring up that um coming up here we're gonna get six new medical like compassion centers in rhode island um one in each like zone there's we have three right now um one in providence one in what's a compassion center a dispensary Warwick, and I want to say one in, where's the other one? I don't know. Somewhere else nearby. But, um, yeah, so there's six zones, but, like, 45 applications went in to this lottery system, meaning it's going to get picked at random, sort of, because, like, for example, in, like, zone three, I think only two businesses applied so each of them gets a 50 50 chance Mm. of actually winning that place um so yeah it's it's 45 applications 
those applications cost uh, around 10 grand just to put in and then you have to if like let's just say you get selected I think it's like $500,000 to like a year to keep going to keep operating um and with that kind of like change you gotta think like money change you gotta think who are these people uh owning that own these businesses if you look at the long list of names they're all really cheesy so I'm gonna go with probably white people but um (laughs) Also, just considering how much money it takes to keep these things going um, and all of the racial bullshit we just talked about, I'm going to assume that it probably, when the state uh, allows people to participate in this kind of business, it's only a certain kind of person that they're wanting, that they're allowing. Um, I try to look up, you know, minority-owned businesses and... uh, well, because there aren't very many in Rhode Island, it was a small research session, but Mass has a couple, um, so it's not hard to find, but when these do, when these businesses do pop up, I do want to encourage people with their medical cards who are uh, patrons of these kinds of stores to do your research, please, and try to support minority-owned businesses. This is where the credit system plays a major role in this whole thing, because in order to get big business loans like that, you have to have good credit. Dude, th- nobody is starting a business. I mean, very few people are starting a business with $10,000 like in hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you go to a bank and you ask for a loan for a lottery chance on opening a business, they're gonna laugh mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. The credit system in the, in the country and the way that it is also racialized plays a huge role in this because, um, you know, it's really easy in as you come of age to misuse credit, your own credit, thinking that it will never catch up to you or, I or that, did. that <laughs> yeah, I mean everyone has and um, only certain people have access to the the knowledge that they need to understand what credit is and to maintain that credit um, or the importance of it for the the world that we live in, which is unfortunate, but um yeah, I would encourage people to, to also think about that. Uh, when we're talking about like systemic racism, that's part of what we're talking about, right? How the credit system's tentacles are also reaching into this systemically racist um, country we live in. It's contingent on things. It's like, it's an, it's an opportunity for anyone to throw their hat in the ring, but you gotta have a hat first. Yeah. Anyone can join in and put $10,000 in but that you gotta have ten thousand dollars to start, and or, how many people have ten thousand dollars to start, or be able to get it? What type yeah. of person has ten thousand dollars as uh, change in their back pocket that they can throw away on a lottery chance? And like I said, some of these businesses applied more than once. So that's like forty grand. And some of them were already wow. known on the Better Business Bureau, right? Uh, so, well, yeah. I mean, they have like as LLCs, they have to register. Okay. Um, but theoretically, they're not currently in business because that would be illegal oh so is this like speculative business starting like i mean because the, no, the they're, they're, they're companies oh they're already existing companies but they're speculating now in the marijuana the the emergence of the marijuana business in the state listen to some of these names they're so they're so cute um new leaf you know cute 
My favorite one is Faded Minds. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can buy your tie-dye shirts there. Right? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Oh, Portsmouth was the third place that I couldn't think of. There's already one in Portsmouth. So Warwick, Providence, and Portsmouth. Okay. Um, but... Please don't go to Faded Minds. <laughs> Someone else. <laughs> I'm sorry. If Faded Minds listens to this by chance, change your name. Otherwise, nobody can take it seriously. Oh, that's, our, that's for us. That's Zone 2. Central Falls, Johnston, Lincoln, North Providence, and Providence. A... Perfect union. Aw. Change your mind or change your uh, name or sponsor us. One of the two. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. But, like, it's going back to thinking about people being put in prison. I mean, when you're – they say that when you go to prison, um, it, like, takes two years off of your life expectancy. Mm -hmm. So they're actively trying to kill people, it seems, with these things. You know, capitalism, racism, policies, uh, 50, yeah, my notes say over 50% of the people who have been sentenced are awaiting trials still. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's not, if you look at the numbers, it's pretty freaking clear yeah. what it's about. I don't know who in their right mind, Joseph, Joseph Shikarji, could argue otherwise, but... Lord knows they keep trying. The thought of uh, being put into jail waiting for a trial, I feel like that just uh, really magnifies the chance that you're going to, that something's going to happen that's going to keep you there even if you're innocent. Like, uh, yeah. if you're going <laughs> to be put in jail in this extremely stressful position um, with people that you don't know during a pandemic, I mean, not even like during a pandemic, just in general, you're putting people through like all sorts of stressors that, People will react all different ways. And even if a person is innocent of the crime that they're put in jail for, that they don't know if you know they're going to be found innocent later because they're not gone through trial yet, but if they get into a fight or if they have a mouth-off uh, situation with the CO or something like that because they're probably pretty fucking stressed in jail, mm-hmm. it's going to reflect, reflect badly on them when it actually comes to their trial. Or they might incur charges that they wouldn't have anyway. So it's kind of just like a really fucked up way of doing things oh, in my yeah. uh in my opinion i agree no, yeah. with you when you get put in jail for a drug offense not only is it you know there are mandatory maximum or mandatory minimum sentences but also there are fines so you can like uh you know beat your conviction or whatever but still have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and if you can't your ass is staying in jail hmm. do y'all do y'all see that show oz on HBO when it Love that like show. a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was the, the genius, in my opinion, of the first season of that show, was it showed you how somebody... I mean, I think that the main character in that like acted out of rage and was put in jail, which is different than being innocent and being put in jail, but still, like, the well, way that... he got that, a DUI, and that then he went it. to jail, yeah. and then uh, he actually killed a kid and went to jail uh, like with the DUI, and then once he was there, he was just, like, raped and like attempt like there was attempted murder on him and he was basically formed by this terrible environment that he was in yeah. and um corrupted him in, yeah. in a different way and so that like even i think later on he gets the possibility of parole or something like that and they just say that he's not he's not uh of the mental ability to go back out to society it was just a good uh if you're looking for 
a show to kind of talk about what we're talking about, to reflect on what we're talking about, then that's And you've cool. already watched Orange is the New Black. I haven't watched that. Yo, that show is good. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about that show. I haven't watched it. I mean, the main character, Piper, is one of the most annoying people <laughs> ever in the world, even though she's fictional, mm-hmm. kind of, more or less fictional, just based on a real person. Um, but the other, I mean, and I don't, I don't think it's cool to use, like, non-white people as, or just, like, not to say non-white, but to use black and other uh, racial and ethnic minorities as, like, props or plot points. But they are fully, fully the best part of that show. Yeah. 100%. So anyway, we could talk about abolishing the carceral state forever, probably. Um, but is there anything else we want to talk about? There is a f- There are a few things. Um, I've read, I, I read some article about a uh, Cranston arrest that happened recently. Did you, is that, did you read that, Andy? What I read about is a uh, police officer seeing, you know, that uh, that crew that cruises around in the ATVs and uh, the dirt bikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have the article up right now, but I can, you know, wing through it. The majority or all of them, I think, are not, not white, right? I think they're probably, yeah, they're probably all uh, black or or brown. Yeah. I don't know what uh, the makeup of that group is, but I support them wholeheartedly because I think they're badass. So yeah. shout out to y'all, whatever you guys want to call yourself. Um, and but, these are this is a different group than like the like middle school kids that just be popping wheelies on bicycles, yeah. bombing hills, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. checking. Um, this but is shout the, out to those kids. This too. is the crew yeah, that we're um, riding with um, the young man who was hit off the moped. Jamal. Yeah. Jamal Gonzalez, yeah. So, they're cruising through town. Female stops and, you know, blocks traffic as the rest of the uh, the parade rolls through. That's called corking. Very cool. Um, and she fell off her bike after pulling forward. So, a police officer who was watching took that moment to run over and Fuck. try to grab her. And at that moment, um, she pushed him off. You know, understandably, and uh, the rest of the group came back, and according to the report, they were circling kind of like one of those like uh, like an old western, how the Indians circle the wagons, that kind of yeah. like thing, and um, apparently one of the ATV riders came out and bumped into the police officer and ran over his legs so shout out to you and i think your name in here they released your name which i think is fucked up how they release names in rhode island because no matter what you do if you go on the paper and they google your name going forward for any kind of job application your entire future is fucked yeah and i think that's entirely unfair it's a total uh like privacy breach unless you're a minor so if you're trying to commit a crime make sure you do it before you turn 18 yeah (laughs) that's true um uh the police officer got a description of this uh person who bumped into him and they chased him through the city or a couple different cities and uh (laughs) it ended up in a few different uh car wrecks and uh they ended up arresting them and the person's name was eduardo rivera so shout out eduardo i hope that you meet bail and get off of this fine. Um, but 
If we find a bail fund, we'll post it on the Instagram. Yes. Uh, so the three suspects, uh, three people were caught for motor, motor vehicle violations. One of them had a little bit of weed on them. You Ooh, know. how much? I can tell you exactly. It was it less was, than an ounce. It was less than an ounce. It's called a civil violation. There's no incarceration, and the maximum fine is $150. Well, I hope that he gets the, uh, the absolute minimum in all of these. But I just wanted to um, talk about this because this is like a, an example of an unnecessary police escalation of a situation where if that police officer didn't want to be a fucking hero and run out there and be, you know, one man against many and try to nab this girl after she fell off her bike, there wouldn't be a car accident that could have killed both riders later on that night. Didn't I, – I thought I read that um... – he stopped her because she didn't have a license plate on her bike. Well, no, she... And, yeah, then, she he, and then they found it in her backpack. So she, she definitely have did have no license plate on her bike, and it was in her backpack, but... Wait, on a bicycle? No, I mean, like, motorcycle. Oh. Like, bicycle. Oh. Um, but that was after. That was after the fact. He right. saw her stop traffic, and that's when he saw her fall off her bike, and that's when he acted in that moment. And later on, they found, yeah, the license plate in the back of her. Instead of going uh, up and being like, can I help you up? Get back on your bike. It's yeah. just like, oh, now's my opportunity to arrest this motherfucker. I'm going to do it. It's just Be a know. hero. Everyone wants to be a hero. Yeah. And um, you're not heroes. You're assholes. Was that so? Did did that actual initial violation happen in Cranston? It's a good question. Um, I think yeah, like, it did. Atwood Avenue in the city of Cranston. Yeah, I think I think that's a major major line of Cranston to toward Providence because I think that like the police culture in each individual city is probably also a major factor in like uh, how they respond to things. Remember, like going to college parties in boston that would rarely if ever be broken up or if a cop did show up it was always like they gave some warning and then left because there were more higher priority things to do for them in the city at the time so i mean it, it depends on the locale too i feel like it depends also on the race of the person the cops are accosting you yeah. know oh yeah 100 yeah. percent. when i had a uh a DIY venue in my basement and the cops came all I had to do was like you know blink my eyelashes at them and be like huh sorry no I don't know we, yeah, we'll try to keep quiet sir yeah. and they were fine they'd be like oh this sounds pretty cool I wish I was down here hanging out and I was like <laughs> oh yeah I bet you do buddy meanwhile like other folks are trying to like sneak out the back so they don't get busted <laughs> etc yeah they had no problem with me because of what I look like. Yep. Yep, it's all subjective, and it shouldn't be. You know, if there's going to be a law, it shouldn't be dependent on what your skin color is or what your sexual orientation is or what your religious history is or your, your or practicing. The or the perception of any of those things. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I thought it kind of good story to end on because, again, it's New Year's. Uh, and this one is kind of funny is uh, the restaurant owner supposed restaurant owner we don't know if he was actually the owner uh, on Atwell's Ave who blatantly disregarded COVID orders and staying open late on New Year's Eve which uh, you know it kind of makes him a 
a controversial character because on the one hand you shouldn't be having New Year you shouldn't have any party right now with what's going on, especially with Rhode Island now I think is the third highest infection rate in in the country. Oh, we Yo, are it's so we're, bad. we're the worst in the world. <laughs> no, we were for a little bit, but now I think we're bumped down to three. Aww. Yeah, so third place. We got the bronze. <laughs> okay, from from gold to better. bronze, real quick. But, I mean, so first of all, you shouldn't be having that. But at the same time, this story and his, his interaction with the police is just, it makes me want to shake his hand, but I can't because of COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, so approximately at 11:30 p.m., detectives in the license enforcement unit were notified by the Atwell's Avenue detail that uh, Sage Kitchen, located on Atwell's Ave, uh, was still in operation with patrons inside consuming alcohol. So they sent a police officer, a cruiser, to go inspect it. Upon arrival at 11.50, the officer went in and spoke with, I'll call him Mr. Samuel, who identified himself as the manager and asked him to close the, and the officer asked him to close the establishment. Uh, Mr. Samuel told the police that he would clear out the establishment. He said, all right. So everybody's drunk in this place. Cop shows up. This guy just claims that he's the manager. <laughs> Which, like, I kind of hope that he's not really the manager. <laughs> kind of hope he was just a drunk guy. Uh, it says, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll close down. Shortly after midnight, detectives responded back to the kitchen and observed the establishment to be still in operation. As police entered the establishment, they observed the establishment had uh, to have a smoky environment that could, that could smell a strong odor. Uh, and that was consistent with that of burnt marijuana. <laughs> uh, so the police went up to Mr. Samuel again, and Mr. Samuel stated that the patrons inside were all employees. So therefore, you know, it's not... not <laughs> There's actually like 300 open. people in the building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they work here. It's not actually open. It's just, you know, the workers are cleaning up. But the police officer noticed that nobody was actually doing any cleaning. There's some people at the tables, and and the bartender was serving drinks with no mask on. So it was suspicious for the police officer. Um, <laughs> Very good detective. <laughs> I'm still, I'm hung up on the, like, what is that smell that is consistent with the smell of burnt marijuana? <laughs> I'm going to start talking like that. Um, and then the... And then, according to the the report that I read, uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Mr. Samuel started acting belligerent and angry. Right? This is how it always happens. It's like people that the police interact with—they're all calm, and then all of a sudden, they 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 break. They're volatile. They're yeah. unpredictable and dangerous. According to the police, Mr. Samuel continued his defiant behavior and stated, "The only reason you're in here is because I'm black." and continued to raise his voice and yell at police to the point where other people in the establishment approached him and tried to calm him down several times. Uh, so I just want to say, I want to shout out to Mr. Samuel. If you're listening by chance, or if somebody listening knows Mr. Samuel, give him our regards, but then also tell him no more parties until this pandemic is over. But we appreciate that fire. We appreciate... I. 
if somebody knows that this guy is really the, the owner of the, the restaurant, please reach out to us because <laughs> I, I imagine that he's not, and I would like him to not be. That's a pretty yeah. boss move if someone comes in asking for, like, who's the manager if someone just randomly is like, yep, right here, what's up, man? It happens, though, and I hope that in this case uh, that's the truth. Well, anybody else got anything to add? You know, yep. Uh, no, no, I think that's about it. I'd uh, like to formally endorse uh, generic lemon cream sandwich cookies because they have really kept me going. Well, the tough the toughness of the holidays so if you own a company that makes lemon cream sandwich cookies hit me up at plr pod on instagram i would love to talk about how much i love your cookies i got something too uh a quick little shout out i don't know if this is um who exactly owns northeast alternatives over in fall river but they do a last prisoner project donation service when you go and you buy a recreational marijuana mm -hmm. so if you're gonna buy weed recreational that's not illegal hmm wait is this in mass this is in oh, massachusetts in mass. okay. yeah so if you're gonna buy some pot and you want to buy it from a place instead of like your friend which i also endorse buy from you know local but Buy it from this place so you can also donate to the last. Shady prisoner. B. Yeah. <laughs> also donate to the last prisoner wow. project. So yeah, Northeast Alternatives. Good job. Uh, yeah. Um, I also want to say that uh, this episode and the next episode we won't have a guest on, taking a, a New Year's break, I guess, from guests, but also trying to regroup and, and schedule these guests. Uh, we have a lot of people in store for uh, February and then even beginning in March. Uh, and we're also in the middle of creating a Patreon, which uh, we will have advertised and everything for uh, help because all this stuff costs money. And we don't, as much as we do want sponsorship from Lemon Cookies, we don't want to bombard you with advertisements um, because that kind of goes against everything that that we believe in, at least. Um, so look out for that, too. And thanks for listening. Always. The musical guest for this week's episode is Cactus Attack with the song Smoke Too Much. If you like what you hear, look them up on Instagram at Cactus Attack and buy their music. Thanks. Smoke too much, drink too much, my mama never told me I think too much. Smoke too much, drink too much, my mama never told me I think too much.
too much, and my mama never told me I don't think too much. Smoke too much, drink too much, and my mama never told me I don't think too much. Smoke too much, drink too much, and my mama never told me I don't think too much. Smoke too much, drink too much, and my mama never told me I don't think too much.